Number one, what is the chief end of man? What are we here for? What is my purpose and duty in life? What did God create us to do? And what did Jesus redeem us for? I love this answer, right? Man's chief end, purpose in life, is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, right? That includes football, <laughs> right? right? Amen. Question number two, what rule, guiding authority, has God given to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him? Answer, the word of God, which is contained in the scriptures of the Old and New Testaments, is the only rule to direct us how we may glorify and enjoy him. Question number three, what do the scriptures principally or primarily teach? The scriptures primarily teach what man is to believe concerning God and what duty or responsibility God requires of man. I just kind of looked back at those, all those texts, the scripture texts from last week, and what I ultimately got from all those, what the scriptures principally teach, have faith in Jesus, God the Son, Right? And what duty, responsibility does God require of us? By his grace, obey his word. Have faith in Jesus and by his grace, obey his word. Okay? And our new question for today, what is God? Answer, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Okay? Shouldn't it be who is God? This is how they have it worded. Okay? okay? So I think this is, so we're going to get into like the, the uh, specifics of the Trinity. So I, th I thought about that a little bit, Arnold. So I think that's why they phrase it, what is God? Because the first part, God is a spirit. Okay, so the Bible verse there, there was a whole bunch more of these, like there was four pages, and so I just condensed it. Okay, John 4, 24, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So the, the, I, I studied this a little bit, and so I just made another note, right? The only way that we can see God, right, he's invisible, he's a spirit, is if he manifests himself to us, okay? John 1, 14, right? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, okay? So the basis, though, the start, what is God? God is a spirit. But praise God, he manifested himself to us. What? Yep. Let's go think of believe in the Amen. That's right. And when Jesus left, he sent the Spirit. Amen. Amen. Okay. So, God is Spirit. God is infinite. John chapter 4, verse, or sorry, Psalm 145, verse 3. God is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. Okay? He's infinite. There, he has no boundaries or no limits. Okay? His greatness is unsearchable. God is eternal. Psalm 90, verse 2. From everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. 
right? No beginning, no end. He's eternal. God is unchangeable. Malachi chapter 3, verse 6. For I am the Lord, I change not. And Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and today and forever. Isn't that awesome? Okay. So God is a spirit. He's infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his being, right? In who he is, his nature, his substance, right? It's bigger and greater than we can ever begin to comprehend. Okay? And God is in his... God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his wisdom also. Number 11, 1 John 3.20. God knoweth all things. He knows everything, right? Omniscient, it's called, right? Infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his wisdom. God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his power. Number 12, Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus says to him, With God, all things are possible. Right? God is all-powerful. Okay? God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his holiness. Number 13, 1 John 3, 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take our way our sins, and in him is no sin. Right? He's holy, perfect. Okay? And Revelation chapter 15, verse 4. Who shall not fear thee, O Lord, and glorify thy name? For thou only art holy. Right? God is only glorious, right? All of the time, <coughs> holy. God is infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his justice. Okay, number 14. Psalm 96.3, right? From, from our call to worship. For he cometh to judge the earth, he shall judge the world with righteousness. Infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his justice. It will always happen, justice. God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his goodness. Number 15, Psalm 105. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting. And lastly, God is infinite, eternal, and unchangeable in his truth. Number 16, Psalm 117.2. For the truth of the Lord endureth forever. Praise ye the Lord. So because God's word, we have that authority, that word from him, we can know these truths about him. We don't have to question them. He is these things. Praise him. All right. So our text for today, back in the book of Matthew, we're in uh, actually chapter 13. But before we go there, I just want to take a look back at our passage from last week. Um, Matthew chapter 12, the end of Matthew chapter 12. It's page 575 in your pew Bible. Matthew chapter 12, we'll just take a look at the end of that passage before we move on. You guys grabbing some Bibles? 
end of Matthew chapter 12. Read it one more time, verses 46 through 50. While he yet talked to the people, Jesus, behold, his mother and his brethren stood outside, desiring to speak with him. Then one said unto him, Behold, thy mother and thy brethren stand outside, desiring to speak with thee. But he answered and said unto him that told him, Who is my mother and who are my brethren? And he stretched forth his hand toward his disciples and said, Behold, my mother and my brethren. For whosoever shall do the will of my Father, which is in heaven, the same is my brother and sister and mother. Okay? So whether we acknowledge it or not, Jesus is and has to be the highest priority of our lives okay he is lord right and we are called by him to be his disciples his students okay and right if he is lord right if he's the priority of our lives and he's the source of truth and justice and all of this we looked at and love right <laughs> if he's our priority our focus then we have access to love people as we should. Does that make sense? Right? If he's our priority, we can love others as we should. Okay? So he's called us to be his disciples, his students. I want to share with you a quote I didn't get to last week. I thought this was really edifying. The student of the gospel realizes that in this culminating story, Jesus is pointing at him or her and saying, in effect, by the simple fact that you are listening to this story seriously, this passage we just read, you are sitting inside with me. And I want you to know that that makes you my disciple. And if you are my disciple, then you are my brother, my sister, and my mother. You are home. You may not think that by reading or hearing these stories, you are doing anything special. But if you are hearing them with faith, I want to reach out my hand over you too and say, Look, you are my brother, my sister, my mother. Okay? So because we are Jesus' followers, his disciples, his students... This makes us his church. And if we are part of his church, this and this alone makes us part of God's family. We are home. If you're sitting here today listening to the words of Jesus and taking them seriously, you are his disciple. That's it. You are part of God's family, period. This is so simple and yet powerful and liberating, right? This is so encouraging and edifying. Because we are united to Jesus, part of his church, and thus God's family, we share Jesus with one another. He is Lord, right? And I want you guys to know I feel closer to you than I do anyone else because of this. So praise God, he's uniting us all as his family, under the lordship of Jesus. 
So let's move on today to chapter 13, verses 1 through 9. If you're sitting here listening by faith, taking Jesus' words seriously, you are his disciple. And that makes you part of his church, part of God's family. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1. The same day went Jesus out of the house and sat by the seaside. And great multitudes were gathered together unto him. So that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places, where they had not much earth. And forwith they sprung up, because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear, let him hear. Okay, I want to start right there with that last verse today. The, let the person... Right? Who has ears to hear, let that person listen. Okay? This seems to be the key verse of the whole parable to help us discern it. Listening to the words of Jesus is the key to all of life. Our ears are the soil of our lives. Ears that are devoted to the words of Jesus are good soil. Ears that are distracted, not paying attention, or don't really care, these are the unfruitful soils of this passage. I'm going to share a quote with you. The key attitude of life, spiritually and socially, is the attitude of active listening. Okay? The key attitude of life, spiritually and socially, is the attitude of active listening. Okay, so what does this mean, right? Right listening is what makes right doing happen. Right listening is what makes right doing happen. The job of soil is mainly that it receives something. So too, as disciples of Jesus... Our primary responsibility is to receive something. Faithful listeners of God's word become fruitful servants of God's word. If we are disciples, students of Jesus, who take seriously the receiving of his word, then we trust in the power of his word to make us actively righteous. Like the Apostle Paul says, faith becomes works. We passively receive God's word and God turns it into our active righteousness. Let's look at this. Just look down a couple verses to Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. Matthew chapter 13, verse 23. 
But he that received seed into the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some and a hundredfold, some sixty and some thirty. Okay? The word here, understandeth or understanding, means to stand under. Okay? Which can be translated as faith. Right? Jesus is Lord and we submit to him. This is faith. So people that have faith in Jesus, we stand under him. These people, verse 23, they also beareth fruit, which ultimately means that we love others with God's love, forgiveness, and pointing them to Jesus, the one that forgave us. Okay, so we passively take in Jesus' words, faith, and he produces in us, by the power of his word alone, us submitting to it, not just hearing it and putting it aside. Jesus produces in us fruit, God's love for other people. Okay, in our pride, in our arrogance, even though that God tells us this, we don't believe, right? We don't believe that faith in Jesus is enough. Right? We, we say it all the time, but we don't believe it. We read God's word, and instead of just letting God use it to make us righteous, in our self-righteousness, we try to do what God says only he can do. Okay, so we're not really sitting, submitting, sitting under the words of Jesus. We're trying to place Jesus under our works. Does that make sense? So we passively take in Jesus' word, faith, and he produces in us, by the power of his word, us submitting to it, right? Not just hearing it and putting it aside. Jesus produces in us God's fruit, God's love for other people. Amen. See, we want to try and claim that that's God's job to make us doers of the word. You know what I mean? I'll show you my faith by my Amen. Amen. Right? We're, God's trying to relieve us from this sin of self-righteousness and works. Right? We hear his word and then we try to do it instead of just trusting, giving the Lord the latitude to do it, his work. Right? This is our rebellion. John 15, 25, so let's look at it a little closer. Let's go through these verse by verse here. Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 and 2. That same day when Jesus went out of the house and sat um, by the seaside, and great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. Okay? So people were flocking to Jesus to hear his teaching. Okay? Lord, we, we, <laughs> we pray that this be our heart, right? Give us a desire, Lord, to want to hear your teaching and submit to it and sit underneath it. And like our Lord... His church should be about his mission. It says here, Jesus went out of the house, 
right? So we come to church, the Lord's house, where he teaches us and fills us with his grace. And like Jesus, we take God's teaching out into the world. Verse 3. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. Okay? So Jesus speaks to common people like us. He does it in parables. He paints earthy pictures that we can understand. He's our Lord. And what we learned the other week, he's also our brother. He takes us very seriously. He talks to us in our own language. Language that we can understand. Okay, so just at the start of this, he says, Behold, a sower went forth. Right? Look. Behold. Pay attention. Look. Pay attention. The point here is, that, is the Lord is making, look at what Jesus is saying. And listen seriously to what he means. Our lives depend on this. Right? Look. Behold. If the Lord is speaking to us, as students, we best pay attention. And as God will show us, the problem with all of these failed soils isn't that they didn't listen, it's that they did not pay attention, okay, to what he was saying. The main thing that Jesus wants us disciples to understand is that one of God's greatest, if not his greatest gift, his works, greatest works in the world, is that he sows. He plants, right, his word into us, his people. He does this. It's the by the power of his word, Jesus' words taken seriously, that God transforms us from sinners to saints. We try so hard to take them in force them in by our own understanding instead of letting God plant his word into us, receive Jesus' words seriously. Verse 4. And when he sowed, right, some seeds fell by the wayside and the fowls came and devoured them up. Okay, so this first batch of seed landed in soil that was not intended to be a field. It says here it fell by the wayside. This soil is unfruitful because it was meant for other things besides receiving the seed of the sower, God. Okay? This soil is a person that is distracted by being something else instead of being soil where God's seed will be fruitful. Okay, God created us to be people to receive his word, not to be anything else, right? Not to be the wayside here. Verses 5 and 6. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched. And because they had no root, they withered away. Okay? So this soil is someone who's initially impressed by the word of God, and they respond, but later the world impresses them more than the word. 
These are hearers of the word that lack the serious hearing that Jesus calls us to. Okay? People that are devoted to him, right? This is what he wants. People that are devoted to him so much so that the world will not become more important than him. God created us so that Jesus would be our top priority. To worship God and enjoy him forever. Jesus, our top priority. Verse 7. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Okay? So this is a, like a choked out listening. Okay? A muffled sort of choked out listening. It's a listening that is distracted by other interests and concerns. Right? And these could even be legitimate interests and concerns. If great and serious issues take center stage in our lives, this means there is only a little space for the Word of God. And the result is a choked out seed. So again, Jesus is warning us disciples that nothing other than His Word Himself should take center stage in our lives. Not even legitimate interests and concerns. Nothing should be prioritized over him. Verse 8. But other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Okay, I want to share with you another quote that really sums this up awesome. There is nothing complicated about this soil. The story deliberately leaves out everything that might have been said about the prerequisites of fruitful soil. Irrigation, fertilizers, weeding, and a number of other practices that go into good farming. Everything is focused on the essential. That the seed enter the soil. That the word be heard for what it is. The word of God, right? Nothing else matters as much. Okay, there's nothing complex about this parable, this story. This is not rocket science. There's no sort of strategy to developing a God-led, spirit-filled life. God's word, Jesus, and paying serious attention to him and what he says is the central focus of it all. So let's summarize the word, right, as we've been being taught it in the book of Matthew so far. What it is, it's a story about Jesus, okay? His coming, Matthew chapters 1 through 4. His ministry, chapters 5 through 12. His church, chapters 13 through 25. And his death and resurrection and his mission, chapters 26 through 28. Jesus is teaching us in this parable how right faith in his word, how understanding, being under him and his word, with this faith, this is how God brings about his kingdom. There's nothing complex about it. Paying serious attention to Jesus and what he says, taking him in, right? Being soil that is willing to receive him and let him do his work. Verse 
Amen. This is the power of God's word that we're screwing up by trying to add to it and do it ourselves. The soil, the person that regularly takes in the seed of Jesus, that soil is the person that regularly produces good fruit. It's that simple. Seed in, right, from the sower, God, Jesus, good fruit comes out. I like, I got a short, another quote here. The soil's whole task can be summarized in one mandate. Give the seed room. <laughs> right? Jesus says, fill our house with him. We're filling it up with everything else. The seed has no room. The, whole, the soil's whole task can be summarized in one mandate. Give the seed room. Make Jesus and his word priority. Take him in. This is the same thing that Jesus has been teaching us in the last couple of weeks. What is it that we are filled with, right? Out of the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. What are we preaching to other people? What are we talking about to other people? If we are Jesus' disciples, our, heart, our hearts, our houses should be filled with him, right? And so he should be is what is spilling out of us onto people around us. Good soil is people that have made room in their hearts and have filled their hearts with Jesus and his word so that he can produce good fruit in us. And the word does this fruit bearing in different ways in different people, right? This is one meaning of the some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Right? But it's all about making Jesus the root of our lives. Right? This can all be done with the football. It's awesome. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is how God unites people with himself. He makes us his children. It is through faith in his word, Jesus' words, God's greatest and most perfect gift. Our last verse for today, verse 9. Who has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? Our responsibility in life is to listen with all seriousness to the seed of God's word. Everything else in the Christian life grows from the soil's relation to the seed. Another quote. Everything depends on listening. Where the word is heard, everything has been done that a human being can do. The fruit bearing is then a fair of the word itself. It's God's job to bear the fruit. We're just soil that is receptive. We think that we take in the word. Then we usurp God's authority. We put him under us by thinking that we can do what the word says. He doesn't. No, listen to Jesus seriously and God will produce in us the fruit of obeying him. Isn't this amazing, right? Submit to Jesus' leading, his teaching, right? Don't try to explain him away, especially not with other Bible verses. 
take Jesus seriously, not half-heartedly, not just when we come together and then go about the rest of our week by leading all sorts of, or by being led by all sorts of other things and other people, right? Jesus is Lord, right? His words need to be the priority of our lives. His spoken word is the power of God to redeem everything and everyone for our good and his glory. We don't have faith in the power of his word. If you're sitting here today listening to the words of Jesus, God planting his seed and taking him seriously, faith as his disciples, good soil, then you are part of God's family, God working in you to produce good fruit, his righteousness, which will manifest as his love for others. Right out of the abundance of our heart, our mouths will speak. God's word, Jesus, right? So simple, so liberating, and all-powerful. Praise him. Let's pray.